0: Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Renee Evans. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. Okay, so if the title didn't give it away, I'm speaking on angels and the angelic realm. Okay, I thought you'd get a bit more excited about that. I think that's a really exciting subject. Okay, Psalm 91.11 says God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. Okay, so I like to preach things that the Lord is teaching me. Um, He will often speak to me and then starts this course of study and research and diving into the scriptures. And it's how I... um, preach most of the time. I know Bill Johnson is like, oh, I've been sitting on that revelation for 12 months before I drop it. That's not me. (laughs) As you can probably tell, because it's not very polished most of the time. But this is my hope. I am in this journey at the moment of discovering the unseen realm, of learning how to partner with the angelic realm, learning how to access the glory realm. Because I do not just open-see visions of angels. I don't know if I'm the only one who doesn't, but I'm guessing that that would probably be the majority of us. (laughs) I know, I know, all those people who can see open visions, yay for you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I actually love them, I love their gifting, and we need them in the church, but... (laughs) Sometimes it's hard, right, when you stand next to those people, and they're like, whoa, did you see that angel? And I'm like, no, there's an angel? I just thought the air conditioner got colder. You know, like, and so sometimes it can be a bit frustrating for us who don't have these open-eyed visions, amen, to see into the unseen realm. And so I am preaching um, about this because I am discovering this myself, and the Lord has been giving me tools and I hope that later in this message that I'll be able to give you some tools on how to access the unseen realms. Okay, I actually believe that it is every single believer's right to see into the unseen realms. It's not reserved for a special few who are anointed to have open eye vision. It is accessible for every single one of us who calls ourselves believers. Amen? Amen. Okay, so why am I speaking on angels? Firstly, I believe that the Lord actually wants to release a greater realm of His glory upon His church and believers. And it's not just for the sake of it. It's so that we can know Him in greater ways, so that we become more effective in our mission and our commission here on earth. And I think it's a very timely word, and I believe that even as I speak tonight, that some of you are going to be able to sense, smell, see the angelic realm. So be expectant. Okay, I have a disclaimer. So before you write those emails saying that we worship angels, listen up. (laughs) We do not believe in angel worship. (laughs) We do not bow down to angels, we do not pray to angels, but it would be foolish of us as believers to ignore a gift that the Lord has given us. So whilst we don't worship them, they do point us oftentimes to the one that we do worship. And that is why we endeavor to get to know them. And that is why we try to press in and be aware of the heavenly realms. Amen? You know, we know in Hebrews 1, 3, that it says that the angels will be submitted to Jesus. In the message translation, it says this. After he finished the sacrifice for sins, the son took his honored place high in the heavens, right alongside God, far higher than any angel in rank and rule, which tells us that angels come under a ranking and a ruling system. Did God ever say to an angel, you are my son, today I celebrate you? Or I am his father, he is my son. When he presents his honored son to the world, he says all angels must worship him. So that's my disclaimer. That is the lens in which I approach this subject, is that heavenly beings are there to assist us and deliver messages to us. Not to draw attention to themselves, but to draw attention to the glorious one. Amen? Okay. So Jesus, we all know that Jesus commanded us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't it fascinating that as believers, we pray this prayer all the time? Yet when heaven begins to manifest itself in our realm, we dismiss the things that make us uncomfortable. It's like we're saying, God, you can bring heaven as long as it fits in my box. You know that angels fill heaven. So it's no surprise that angels fill the earth. And if we keep crying out for heaven to come to earth, then he's going to bring heaven to earth. Let me read you a little bit about what heaven looks like. In Revelations 4, 6 through 10, it says this. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and back. I mean, that's outside of my box. I'm just going to be honest. Like, if I saw that, it, I would be very freaked out. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honour and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him, who sit on the throne and worship Him, who lives forever and ever, and cast down their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, To receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So, that right there tells us that the creation of angels obviously was done by God, and they exist because it is his will that they exist. You know, we know in Revelations, 12.4 where it says his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to earth. And it's talking about when Satan was thrown down to heaven that he took a third of the angels with him. But did you know that means that two thirds of all angels are still under the lordship of Jesus Christ? This is the conversation that began this whole research for me And it's when the Lord said this to me. He said, Christians are more aware of demons and the demonic and their work than they are of angels and the works of heaven. See, we as believers, we can be, oh, they're like demon-possessed, or like the the demons are doing this, or Satan is doing that. But when's the last time you saw an angel and were aware of what the angel was doing? Because we're focusing on the one-third. Yet there's two-thirds that we can be focusing our attention on. You know, we always say whatever you, give, uh, whatever you give attention to, whatever you think about, it grows. It governs your thoughts. So it would do us well as believers to have our thoughts and our minds consumed with heavenly things and not earthly things. Amen? Amen. Angels are mentioned all throughout the scriptures. There's over 394 times that they are mentioned throughout scriptures, which far outweighs that of the mention of the demonic or demons. Far outweighs it. I like Joshua Mills's quote. He said, "Many people are comfortable with the theory of angels that they read in the Bible, but when you begin to talk about the reality of angels, they're shocked." I mean, don't we believe the Bible? Don't we believe it when God says that he has given us angels to take charge and to make us, to protect us, to comfort us? All throughout his word, he demonstrates that angels are sent to minister to those who have inherited salvation. You know, the meaning of the word angel In the Hebrew, it is malak. I hate speaking, like, Hebrew language when I have people in the room who actually know Hebrew. (laughs) I feel like I butcher it every time, so if I get it wrong, just say, la, la, la. Um, (laughs) It means messenger from God, ambassador, or to dispatch as a deputy. And in the Greek, it carries a similar meaning, meaning messenger or sent one. And so why is this important? Because we know that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We know that the unseen realm is more eternal than the seen realm. Yeah. Hebrews 1.14 says this, Are they not all ministering, ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? Amplified puts it this way, are not all the angels ministering spirits sent out by God to serve, accompany, protect those who will inherit salvation? Of course they are. Are you born again? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Then did you know you have angels that have been sent to minister to you? And not just pretty words. I believe that when we begin to interact with the angelic, that we're tapping into a realm that we have never really experienced before. I, um, I mean, whether you see angels or you don't see them, it doesn't negate the fact that they're all around you. You know, I think of it this way. We're going to play a video, and I'm just going to warn you right now to grab your tissues. But um, you can start playing the first one. I feel, like, I feel like when we don't interact or don't bother looking for or paying attention to the unseen realm, it's like we go through life colorblind. Does it mean that color was never there? No, it just means that we haven't been given the eyes to see color when we're colorblind. It's a defect. And there's this company that came up with these glasses. And when you put these glasses on, you see color for the first time. And so I want you to watch this. I specifically chose this one because he's a 66-year-old man who's a bodybuilder. So I thought if anyone won't crack under the emotional, like, you know, excitement, it'll be this man. (laughs) Look at the balloons. (laughs) Can you see with our eyes now, baby? What colors you see? Those. You see colors now? Oh, the trees are (laughs) 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 neat. Now you have rose-colored glasses, baby. Now you see with our eyes. I feel like the angels are saying that to us. Now you see you with our on. eyes. <laughs> Turn around, what about the flowers in the house? look like mud. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like brighter mud. (laughs) There's there's one more video that we have coming. Color for the colorblind. I am (laughs) colorblind. Now oh, these are these are special glasses. Your kids have been engineered that when people wear them that are colorblind, you get to see color just like we all see. Like so. And it came with blooms and all that. Oh my goodness. I can put these on. and it'll you'll see color. Is this what I can, it was supposed to be. It'll like correct. How we all see it'll <laughs> correct your eyes so that you'll see how So clear again Dad do you, know? Daddy, you hate it? You. See the balloon color? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Papa look at the hat. He oh my at god. Your hat. <laughs> <laughs> it's not pretty <pink>, good. <laughs> Oh my, look at that. Oh, shoot. Okay, you can cut it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. But the Lord designed us to see in color, just like He designed us to see into the unseen realms. It's our privilege as believers that we get to do that. You know, um, I have a couple more videos, I'm gonna play one more. But this is how I feel like most people, most Christians, approach the unseen realm. Watch this one. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm 65 years old. <laughs> I have gone 65 years without seeing color. huh. And it is more of a big deal for you guys than it is to me. And I've seen these videos where people get emotional. And I'm not going to get emotional. That's okay. okay. I just want to see how well they work. I have been a professional wrestler. Wait, don't put them on yet. I have been beat up by the biggest man in the world. I I am not going to get emotional. That's okay. okay. Right. One, two, three takes time to adjust it says I don't know. it's totally different <laughs> <laughs> that's the <a> green <laughs> <laughs> to get some of Harmony's books out. We'll have to do the colors. <laughs> Can you see me? Really? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I've been a Christian for 65 years, and I haven't seen angels yet. This is a bigger deal to you than it is to me. I'm not going to get emotional. I don't need to see angels. that I used to be one of those people who would say, I am not going to fall under the glory. I am not going to manifest like they're manifesting. I don't need to see angels. But what I didn't realize is that I began to take my resistance as a badge of honor when really all it is, is pride. To resist the glory is pride. It's saying that we don't need what God has to offer. See, so many people can brush away the angelic and the heavenly realms through logic and rationale. But can I tell you, If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you believe that a man died, that he rose again, that he reconciled you to a God, that he sits at the right hand of his Father in heaven. I mean, you believe that he spat in dirt, made mud, and healed a blind man, that he cleansed the lepers... Your faith is not based on rationale or logic. So it would be foolish to us to dismiss the heavenly realms and the glory and the angelic because it doesn't fit our rational mindsets. It's faith for a reason. It'd be called the rational instead of faith if it made sense and wouldn't require faith if it made sense. I think that if we don't learn to recognize the angelic, then we really are missing out on something that the Lord wants to give us, that we perhaps will not reach our full potential in the kingdom. If we don't learn how to partner with the messengers that he sent for us. Jonathan Edwards once said this, the seeking of the kingdom of God is the chief business of the Christian life. So we seek it all. Not just the parts that make us comfortable. I'm pretty competitive. I know that's shocking to everybody. (laughs) But... (laughs) When I lived in England for a couple of years, I started doing kickboxing. Um, I just thought it would be a great way to release frustration. I don't know what kind of frustration a 19-year-old with no steady job has, but I mean, (laughs) I thought it was something to do, so I did it. And I wasn't very good at it. I actually can kick pretty well. I can kick pretty hard, and I can kick pretty fast. So it wasn't my kicking that made me a bad fighter. It was the fact that I always forgot to defend myself. (laughs) So my trainer constantly was like, arms up, arms up, arms up, and I'm like, (sighs) and I just constantly forgot to put my gloves in front of my face. Because you see, kicking is all well and good, but if someone takes you out with a punch to the face, (laughs) I mean, what's the point? I feel like as Christians, when we don't access the unseen realm, we're just kicking. And it's like once we begin to step in to partnering with the angelic, our defense comes up. And I don't know about you, but I want to win. (laughs) I do not like losing. 2 Corinthians 4:18 says so we fix our eyes not on what is seen but what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. So how can we become more aware and co-partner with the angelic? I believe that we have all been given the gift of discernment. 2 Corinthians 12:10 says that we're given that gift. And so it's up to us as believers that we grow our gifts that we steward our gifts well. Amen. Amen. In, a couple of, um, in the next section, I'm just going to talk a little bit about how angels appear and how to recognize them, but I want to talk a little bit about discernment, because I believe that the majority of believers will see the angelic through discernment rather than through open-eyed vision, and hey, I pray open-eyed visions on you as much as I pray them on me. I want them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to press in for them, but until they happen— I'm not just going to sit idly by and pretend that they don't exist. I'm going to work on the gift that I have been given, which is discernment, which every single believer has been given. You know, practice builds confidence and, comf- and repetition builds habit. So we need to begin to press in, not just once or twice and give up if we feel like it doesn't work. Because we know that persistence is rewarded in the kingdom. I, um, I'm going to talk about Joaquin just because, well, he's my easiest test subject. So he always says to me, babe, I don't know if you can preach a message without throwing me under the bus. <laughs> but I'm not actually throwing you under the bus. I'm complimenting him. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, he's nervous. Um, <laughs> you know, when Joaquin started the school of ministry, he would say that he has a gift of perception. And... and. Um, and discernment, but perception when it comes to seeing in the angelic realm. So he doesn't often, I don't want to prophesy that he's never going to have these open-eyed visions, but he had friends who did. And so what he would do is he would stand next to some of these friends during worship, now friends who were kind of had history, they had been known to uh, carry this gifting, and uh, he would stand next to them and be kind of like, this is what I'm sensing, what are you seeing? And they would begin to see, and he would begin to hone his gift of perception and discernment around the gifts of other people. That's why we need each other. But he would do that all throughout school of ministry, and he still does it today. You may think he's just chit-chatting on the front row when he's in a huddle with some of the guys. He's not. He's asking what heaven is doing. And we're all sharing notes because we all see heaven a little bit differently. And our gifts are all a little bit different. So when we bring them together, we have a fuller understanding of how heaven is moving and what Holy Spirit wants to do. And so you can practice with your gift of perception and your gift of discernment by putting people around you who have a gift of seeing and begin to hone your gift that way. See, because I believe it is possible, as I said, for every single believer to see in the unseen realms. But sometimes we have such a neat packaged box of how we want God to show up. Well, I'm only going to believe there are angels if like a, a, like a flaming seraphim stands in front of me and almost takes my head off with its sword. And I see it with my natural eyes. That's the only way I'll believe. And yet we discount all of the times that he has actually shown us the angelic in our spiritual eyes through knowings and impressions. Hebrews 5.14 says, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Do you know the Lord can determine your level of maturity based on your level of discernment? going to leave that one there. Here's a nicer verse. Matthew 21, 22, If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So if you pray to see and you press in to see, then he is a good God. He does not dangle carrots in front of you. Saying that, ha sucker. <laughs> Sorry, I'm pretty sure Jesus wouldn't say that, but that's how he talks to me sometimes. But anyway, he doesn't do that. He is good. All the time. Amen. James 1, 22 through 25 says this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. Don't just hear about angels. It's way more fun to experience them. Francis of Assisi said this, make yourself familiar with the angels and behold them frequently in the spirit. For without being seen, they are present ever with you. So let's have a look at a couple of ways that angels appear. And these are some biblical references, but it says one in a physical form. And we know this because Hebrews 13.2 says, some have entertained angels unawares. Sometimes they show up looking like you and me. I want to read you, if you if you love the subject of angels, I highly recommend this book. It's Billy Graham, Angels. But this is a story which I loved. A celebrated Philadelphia neurologist had gone to bed after an exceptionally tiring day. Suddenly he was awakened by someone knocking on his door. Opening it, he found a little girl poorly dressed and deeply upset. And she told him her mother was very sick and asked him if, she, if he would please come with her. It was bitterly cold and snowy that night. But though he was bone tired, the doctor dressed and followed the girl. As the Reader's Digest reports the story, he found the mother desperately ill with pneumonia. After arranging for medical care, he complimented the sick woman on the intelligence and persistence of her little daughter. The woman looked at him strangely and then said... My daughter died a month ago. She added, her shoes and coat are in the clothes closet there. Amazed and perplexed, the doctor went to the closet and opened the door. And there hung the very coat worn by the little girl who had bought him to tend to her mother. It was warm and dry and could not possibly have been out in that wintry night. Could the doctor have been called in the hour of desperate need by an angel who appeared as this woman's young daughter? Was this the work of God's angels on behalf of the sick woman? So there is time and time again throughout the scriptures that we see that angels appeared to man in physical form. They also appear in visions. And again, some visions are like impressions more than they are open seeing visions. But they're all visions, You know, John had 52 visions of the angelic throughout the book of Revelation. 52. They also appear to us in dreams. So Joseph, the husband of Mary, had several dreams in which an angel came to him to give both instruction and a warning. Jacob had a dream in which he saw angels ascending and descending on a heavenly ladder. And so there are different ways that angels communicate to us as well when they do show up. And these are really fun. This is not an exhaustive list by any means. This is just some of the ways that have been known for angels to show up. And one we've already talked about is this knowing, and it's kind of coupled with our gift of discernment. Sometimes it's through atmosphere. Have you ever noticed like a sudden shift in the temperature? Or a cool wind blowing against you for unknown reasons? I dare to venture that that is an angelic encounter that we've just been unaware of. Can I say, I, uh, I walked into my bedroom this morning or this afternoon, and it was sunny and bright, and my son was sitting on the bed playing, and he had a dinosaur T-shirt on. It had some sequins on it. And uh, the sun was coming in on his sequins and projecting them on the wall, and I walked into the room, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's an angel. <laughs> and then I, and I was like okay, wait, no, just my son's T-shirt. And then I heard God say, you're getting it. You're getting it. When your first response is it's heaven, we're getting it. You are not a fool if the natural proves it wrong. I'd rather look like a fool than miss out. Signs and wonders. Angels came all the time throughout scriptures with signs and wonders. Um, And they always draw people to Christ. Again, they're not out for themselves to bring glory on themselves. They're there to point to the king, who is the originator of all signs and wonders. Dreams. So we see that in Matthew 2, 12, and 13 and 2.19. All throughout scripture, we see this, the angels coming in dreams to people. And then we already touched on visions, but I wanted to share this because I thought it was pretty cool. Joan of Arc spoke about seeing the biblical angel, Michael, as well as heavenly hosts who would often appear to her. And she said, I saw them with my bodily eyes as clearly as I see you. And when they departed, I used to weep and wish that they would take me with them. And history records that these angelic encounters ultimately helped her to lead the French army to victory at the age of 17. If an angelic encounter can help someone, a 17-year-old, lead an army to victory, I don't know what you were doing when you were 17, but I sure was not in a position to be leading any kind of army. I was struggling just to lead myself right? That's got to be heavenly. Touch. Sometimes they will touch us. You know, I was in worship a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Megan and Eddie were sitting on the front row, and I'd said hi to uh, Eddie. Megan came in late. And so I'm standing there worshiping, and I feel this tap on my shoulder. And I think, oh, it's Megan saying hi. And I turn around, I'm like, expecting her to say hi. And they both just look at me blankly, and I'm like, why'd you tap me? They're like, we didn't tap you no one touched you. And I'm like, and it was as real as any other touch that I have ever had. I felt a touch on my shoulder. And in that moment, I was like, okay, you got my attention, God. Can I tell you that I had a friend in Australia, and she was in worship one day, and she felt what appeared to be a, a, a hand cover her face. And as she began to just weep and praise God, she had MS and all her symptoms of MS left. <laughs> Angels so often bring healing with them and bring breakthrough with them. You know, understand, understanding their signs and messages, we, uh, when we had our first ever worship uh, auditions, I think like two years ago, it might have been, we had Malachi who was six weeks old, our little baby boy. And um, I already told you, sometimes like I'm learning, but sometimes I'm a little skeptical. And (laughs) this little pool of oil appeared on his head. And I'm like, oh gosh, I might just need to bath him. Like he might just be dirty. (laughs) Like he's got oily hair or something. So I wiped the oil off and then it came back again. And I wiped it off again. And it came back again. And the smell of roses on that oil was so pungent. Like, I've never, I do essential oils, like every good Christian woman. And I have never, <laughs> and I have never smelled rose like that before. <laughs> But it says when you smell roses in the spirit that it's actually a sign of Jesus Christ himself because he was known as the Rose of Sharon. It also says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. Why do angels appear? Often they are delivering messages. They are the sent ones. They have been sent on assignment by the Lord. And as I was reading my notes to Joaquin, he's like, don't forget about the ones that just come to hang out with us because they like hanging out with us. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm, sometimes I'm so task-oriented that I'm like, <laughs> I forget that they just want to be with us. But they'll never be able to worship God like we worship God. They will never be able to worship in the midst of a trial, in the midst of pain and heartache. And there's this beautiful sacrifice that comes from us when we choose to worship, even in our darkest valleys, that the angels could never even imagine. And we get to bring that gift to God. And I believe that they just like to be witnesses sometimes. Some angels, as I mentioned, bring healing and others protection. Some comfort, direction, deliverance, provision, just to name a few. Angels also carry breakthrough and revival with them. And throughout revival history, we read all of these accounts of when the angelic used to show up in meetings and all heaven would break loose. (laughs) Our daughter, when we were in Sydney once, she was 18 months old, and we were, in a, we were itinerant ministers at that time, and we were doing a service at a friend's church. And she was about 18 months, so she was saying some words, but not really stringing along sentences and having full conversations with us at this point. And I still remember, as clear as day, i was sitting on the front row, and she comes up to me and gets in my lap, and she puts her hands on my face like this. She looks into my eyes. She goes, mommy, the lion is coming. And every single hair on my body stood at attention. (laughs) The fear of God fell on me so profoundly that even as I relay this story, the same thing happens. But she looked at me and she got her finger and she traced it down the aisle of the church. And she just said, the lion is coming, the lion is coming, the lion is coming. And then our friend, who is the pastor and a prophetic worshiper, she just starts breaking into song about the lion of Judah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, out of the mouth of babes. She had another um, encounter with an angel in elementary Don't you love that our kids are encountering heaven? Don't you love that we don't just do babysitting? Man, I can learn so much from my kids. I love it. She was in elementary doing worship, and she had this encounter. And just that past week, we had just found out and gotten word that my brother's little baby girl had been diagnosed with spina bifida. So as you can imagine, our whole family was devastated. It was devastating news for us. We were in a lot of pain, and we were grieving, and we were still believing the Lord for the miracle. But can I be real? It still hurts. I'm not going to pretend. I'm like, oh, she's healed, and I'm okay. (laughs) That was not the truth at all. I was, I was so upset. My family was upset, and she has this encounter in there in which an angel comes to her as she's worshiping and says, "Your cousin's spine is going to be okay, and she's going to be healed." and she told us about this encounter, and so I told my brother and his wife, I told my mom, and even just this past week, my mom even mentioned, do you know how much faith and hope I have put in that word? Do you know how much I have relied on that word to bring hope in a hopeless situation? And it's just the beginning, but we're starting to see improvements even She can move her toes, which is amazing. And we are believing that she is going to continue to get good report after good report. But sometimes, even when we get a bad report, we have the Word of God as our anchor, the hope of glory. See, we need to learn how to communicate with the angelic. That has been assigned to our lives. Did you know your angels have names? Obviously, mine is Bob. I said to God, I was like, God, if angels are real and I have one on my life, I want to know its name. Because, like, the first thing you do when you meet someone is you introduce them, right? And that begins your relationship. And I'm like, I feel like my head can just, I can wrap around it a little bit easier if I have a name that I could use. And then he said, Bob. (laughs) I was like, huh. Not what I was expecting. (laughs) But I'll take it. And then I thought, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just making that word up. But then I started getting really comfortable with it. And I started talking to Bob. So I'd sit on my car and I'd be like, hey, Bob. And at first I would do it and i feel quite foolish because nothing could happen. But can I tell you that over the weeks, as I began to press in for a relationship, I feel this presence next to me. And at first it came really slow, but now whenever I say his name, it comes instantly. I I was reading a book on angels, um, seeing angels, and it was so wild because it like prophetically would answer questions that I had. Have you ever had that happen to you in a book? Like I would ask God a question, and then the next chapter was all about like basically the answer. I'm like, trippy. Um, And so, sorry. I haven't always been a believer, so I'm still polishing up my... um, terminologies. Apologies. But anyway, Bob is short for Robert. Most people know that, right? Did you know what the name Robert means? Bright and shining. And this book said, could it be that Bob is a seraph, which is, which is a singular for seraphim, which we know fill heaven Shining with God's fire and brilliance, scripture tells us that seraphim are filled with fire and blazing light and that their names literally mean the burning ones. (laughs) Bob doesn't sound so funny anymore. (laughs) I'm like, oh, yeah, I got an angel named Bob. And he's made of fire. As I was doing some research, I I read Psalm 23, 6, which I'm sure all of you have read so many times, and I've read it myself so many times, but never quite saw this until just this week. And we know David wrote this psalm, and he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I would dwell in the house of the Lord forevermore. Did you know that many scholars believe that David wasn't naming the attributes of God? but that he was actually naming the angels that were assigned to his life. Goodness and mercy. Charles Spurgeon says this in his book, The Treasury, a commentary on David. These twin guardian angels will always be with me at my back and at my back. Just as when great princes go abroad, they must not go unattended. So it is with the believer. Goodness and mercy follow him always. All the days of his life, the black days as well as the bright days, the days of fasting as well as the days of feasting, the dreary days of winter and the bright days of summer, goodness supplies our needs and mercy blots out our sins. So it is totally legal for you to ask what your angel's name is. As our five-year-old was going to sleep last night, I said to him, I'm like, hey, did you know that you have angels? And I told him where in the scripture it says that. I said, did you know God wants to tell you what your angels' names are? Why don't we ask him right now what their names are? He's like, okay. And he's like, God, what are the names of my angels? And in about like two seconds, he's like, Joseph. His name's Joseph. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's like, but the other one is called Samuel. And I'm like, you got two? He's like, there's actually a third one, and its name is Lightning. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, of course. (laughs) Can I encourage you, if you're a parent, if you have not experienced the unseen realm, do not create or reason it away within your children. Because they see way more clearly into the Spirit than we see. And so many kids are born and grow up seeing angels, yet it's at the command and the reasoning of an adult that says that no longer exists, that actually shuts off that gift for them. I love asking my kids where the angels are in the room. They see in the Spirit so much more clearly than I do. Thanks, babe. I, um, I want to pray. I want you to put your hands on your neighbors for me. And I want to pray one, Ephesians 1.18 over each other. So if you repeat after me, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In order that you may know the hope to which He has called you. The riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people. <laughs> I have one last video for you and then I want to lead us in an activation. So we're going to play this last video. Kind of. That's a real, that's what, a little? What does the sky look like? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You oh, love you, son. Feel like the Lord is saying, "Put your glasses on," and that that is such a beautiful representation of what God the Father is like. That He is overcome with joy when His children learn to tap into the gifts that He has given them. That little boy just kept saying, "Thank you, thank you." There is so much available to us as believers. And I get it. It seems crazy. I get it. Sometimes we don't want to look like the wacky Christians. But wouldn't you rather look like a fool in front of man than in front of God? I love people, that's why I became pastor. But I don't love them and their opinions more than I love God and his opinions. And I'm willing to look, as King David said, even more undignified than this. It's our inheritance, it's not just a good idea. I believe that the Lord is going to start manifesting the heavenly realms to you. But we got to press in for it. Let's not be like that man. Oh, we've been a Christian for 65 years. We don't need the angelic. It's like saying to God, this is a bigger deal to you than it is to me. I don't want to be that person. I don't think you want to be that person. But can I tell you, I think prophetically that something special is going to happen when his kids can come into alignment with the kingdom of heaven. Not just the concept of heaven on earth, but the reality of heaven on earth. Let's not focus on the things that are going wrong. Let's focus and put our attention on heaven. There is so much more available than we know. I want to take some time for us to just sit and ask the Lord to allow his angels to encounter us. And again, we don't pray to angels. We pray to the one who commands the angels. Bill Johnson says this God does not hide things from us, but for us. And it's our great delight that we get to search the mysteries of the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Can we turn the lights down a little bit? Let's set the mood. I want you to place your hand on your heart and close your eyes. And repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, we worship you and you alone. But we recognize that you have given us the gift of angels. And we ask God that you would begin to reveal them to us. we submit our pride and we hand over the boxes that we've constructed for you. And we give you permission to encounter us in any way you choose. Amen. We're just going to take some time And I want you to begin to, with your eyes closed, just ask the Lord to reveal either the angels in the room or the angel that's been assigned to your life. He may give you a name. He may show you an outline. He may send a cool breeze over you. But remember just because we can't see them all it doesn't mean they're not here sense that there are angels in the room that are bringing refreshing with them. There are some people here who, even before they came tonight, just had this overwhelming sense of drowning and just the responsibilities and the busyness of life. like there is an angel here ministering to you and bringing refreshing. (laughs) See a picture of an angel with an oil can in its hands. It's pouring oil on people's joints and healing them of carpal tunnel, of arthritis. And if that's you, you don't have to do anything. You just sit there and receive. a person in who who in here who has received some not so great news this week perhaps you've been laid off from a job or gotten a diagnosis and i feel like there's an angel in this room carrying comfort in its wings and right now you're going to sense the peace of heaven Is all around us. We only don't see because we're not looking. But the more we become aware, the more real it will become. And when our first thoughts are "That is heaven," or "That must be an angel," We're starting to get it. We're starting to become more heavenly minded than earthly minded. And if we have the minds of Christ, which we do, and he is seated in the heavenlies, then that's where our minds should be too. thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for what you have made available to us as believers. We thank you for what you are doing on this earth. And God, we ask that we may be able to glimpse heaven and that heaven may be just as real to us, if not more so, than the world in which we live, God. We ask for heaven to come. The parts we're comfortable with and the parts that we're uncomfortable with. We don't want to box you in with our theology and good ideas, God. We do ask, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us into all truth reveal the mysteries of heaven to us, God. And that we would begin to partner with the angelic realm so that we may see more souls one. That we may see heaven look like earth. So God, we open up our hearts tonight. Open up our hearts. We give you all the glory, Lord. All the glory. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. You can stay in this place. If the Lord is touching you, if the angels are ministering to you, then stay in this place. If you'd like someone to pray with you, whether that's for healing, restoration of families, whether that's so that your eyes may be open to more of the Spirit, then we would love to pray for you. We're going to have our ministry team come up the front here. We want to invite you to come down if you need prayer. My last charge Be persistent. I mean this in the most loving way, but you're not that special that the Lord would gift this to everyone else except you. We just need to learn how to partner with him. Amen.